0: No company, no recruiter, no executive of a company cares that you can solve a case study Mm -hmm. or that you can go through a multiple choice exam or write a paper, those things are irrelevant in the professional
1: environment.
0: It's all about can you solve a problem that is hard to define, that requires more resources than we have and that you know that that's a that's a real challenge that doesn't have an answer, and that to me is something that is missing from almost all of education. Like all of what we do is we've made education easy for educators by providing them with answer keys. What what world do we live in where we where we even have an answer key at all? You know, preach, have-
1: <laughs> preach, Jordan. <laughs> Welcome to the Phil with Forbes Thirty podcast. This is Phil Michaels. Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and performance coach. Every year Forbes names the top 30 entrepreneurs, leaders and stars in the world and each week I bring you one of them to help you level up in your life and business. From celebrities like LeBron James to Kylie Jenner and Cardi B to entrepreneurs with companies like DoorDash Instagram and YouTube. You're sure to learn from the list. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now it's time to level up. Level up. Welcome to Phil with Forbes 30 Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, my dear friend, and he started an ed tech company that helps higher ed programs bridge the skills gap for their students through experiential learning. He integrates real companies into the education process through hands-on collaborations that expose learners to new circumstances with real stakeholders, challenges, and outcomes. His company, CapSource, makes experiential learning easy by helping educators match with companies and then design projects based on academic requirements. They have over 200 company partners to providing learning experiences to over 3,000 students at 50 different institutions around the globe, including Fordham University, University of Texas at Dallas, the University of Illinois and Notre Dame. Outside of work, my dear friend and guest, is passionate about cooking, photography, mixology, travel, sailing, tennis, public speaking, and coaching and connecting with fellow entrepreneurs. Please welcome Jordan Levy. Thanks for having me, Phil.
0: It's really great to be with you here today.
1: Very excited to have you here. It's my pleasure. Welcome, Jordan. Jordan and I met in Israel originally, and we've had so many experiences since then. We spent a lot of time together in Boston, stayed at my place. We um, we even went to Amsterdam together at another Forbes event. We not only love Forbes, but we love traveling. So we found a lot to like together. And uh, now we get to meet again and you're in Arizona. So normally you're based in New York, but right now you're in Arizona. So what was the impetus for you going out into Arizona?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. So um, I've been visiting Arizona uh, my in-laws live down here and so does my fiance's brother has an equine therapy horse ranch which is a really wonderful place to visit and you know we, we've always looked at this place as kind of a temporary haven something nice to kind of escape the craziness of new york and you know we i i, I have the good fortune of operating on a global team you know, pieces of the team are are across the the Middle East and Asia. And obviously, you know, those areas got, you know, impacted by the pandemic first. And so as we saw this kind of tidal wave coming towards New York, you know, we we made a decision very early on to kind of ride out the storm in uh, Tucson because this is a place that we kind of know is serene and calm and would be conducive to work. And, uh, that that's a really important thing as an entrepreneur is really finding a place where you can be your best self and be focused um, and so I you know I really feel fortunate that we came down here um, you know March and April are, are, are a really beautiful time of year now we're in May and it's a little bit hot every day we're talking about like above 100 degrees but um, you know it's it, you know it, it gets you to really be able to focus in on, on the work and also enjoy some of the beautiful hikes and sunsets you know closer to the end of the day after you've uh, put in your time.
1: Another reason we connected, we love the sunshine and we appreciate quality of life, which is so important for an entrepreneurs, making sure you enjoy your life and where you live. And what better place to be quarantined than in Arizona or Tampa, Florida? I mean, we both moved from the cold to the warm weather. So we have that in common as well.
0: Yeah, you got to put yourself in a position to succeed. And a lot of that is about the physical and psychological safety Because to be to be in a place to experiment and create, you need to be in a place where you feel like you have a good foundation. And, you know, of course, I love New York City, everything that makes New York City amazing is also what makes it a really challenging place to be at this time in history. And so, you know, that that kind of like you know perpetual cycle of innovative get feed like get feedback go to market you know go you know go back to the drawing board is something that i really liked about new york and obviously now is not a good time to do that there and so because of that you know we kind of totally shifted our mindset obviously we're in a fully virtual world our product lends itself very well um to that environment so we feel very you know grateful that you know the team is growing our product is 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 improving every single week Um, and we're just like growing our customer relationships because they really need solutions like the ones that we offer
1: yeah it's, it's good to have both you living in the cold and living in you know a great quality of life uh like arizona or sunny sun sunshine and um i forget who said this quote but it was like live live in new york for a while but leave before you get too hard and live in california for a while but leave before you get too soft (laughs) and you, you and i both have that uh the best of both worlds where we got to experience the hard knock life the hustle and grind work every day in the cold inside no sun but then also we get to enjoy some of the fruits of our labor and being able to work from wherever we want in the world and travel and enjoy our lives
0: yeah i think remote work is a choice i mean i granted everyone um, doesn't have that choice. I think now they do, which is really interesting. Um, although we don't really have enough remote jobs to really fill everyone's needs. And of course, there's a lot of pain and, and, um, and frustration in the economy right now because you know, as the customers aren't spending, the businesses aren't producing, they can't use their employees who now can't you know, take a salary who then can't participate in the economy. So it's really, you know, things are going to get worse before it gets better, especially until there's some clarity on a timeline of when we're going to be able to go back, you know, to normal, whatever that might be. But, you know, it's important to kind of, you know, touch up on the skills and also reflect on like what your values are, Mm. uh, whether it is your work values or if it's something that's more personal. But, you know, from this experience, I realized like, You know, building a remote team is important to me because I I don't think I'll ever want to be in a physical office, you know, with my team members. I think it's important to get together with them as often as possible, um, especially, you know, in person as well as virtually using Zoom or other types of web conferencing tools. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's really all about, you know, providing... creating the environment where you could be the most successful and I'm just Mm. so proud of the team dynamic that we've been able to create that's been fully virtual ever since I started CapSource in 2017 Um, and I think that there's no going back at this point like I don't think we'll ever kind of delve into the physical office space realm any longer.
1: That's a great point it's it's like this is the new normal we're not going to go back to the old normal so if this is the new normal how can you make the most of it how can you play offense rather than defense so what's one of your go-to hacks to get the most out of this current time or this new normal COVID-19
0: yeah so obviously there's a lot of great people out there in the world that are are you know, have a little bit extra bandwidth because they're not commuting to work. They're not seeing friends. They're not socializing as much. They're not shopping, you know, and and, and running around from place to place. So um, I'm I'm fond of learning. I actually every day make it a point to to go to sleep slightly smarter than I woke up. And I think part of that drive really is rooted in my interest in learning from other people who have experience in different areas. Um, talking to a great operator about building good process, talking to great entrepreneurs about building great teams, um, talking to, you know, Fortune 500 executives about, you know, their corporate responsibility. Like each of these people has something to share with you that could be of value to your career. And, you know, asking the right questions is really what it comes down to being curious. Um, and then, you know, really taking as much of that in as you can, as you, you, know, can, you continue to build who you are. And that's, that's what I do to try to you know, pass the time and continue to, to stay on the, on the mark, is really just you know, continue to network and try to find new people to connect with that maybe otherwise wouldn't have made the time previously or mm. you know, maybe wouldn't have been as valuable to me as they, as they are now.
1: Yeah, and then execute on it. So what's something maybe you've learned most recently? That's a good
0: question. Um,
1: Any courses you're taking or a documentary you watched or a book you read that you learned something that you is worth sharing? Yeah, I mean, so
0: right now we're in
1: a build mode and not even build of product,
0: which of course is kind of always important, uh, but build of team. And I feel fortunate that we're in a position to build our team because most, uh, most companies are, are really going the opposite way. And we actually brought in a new team member, um, senior at the University of Michigan. Obviously, it's such a shame, you know, final, you know, stretch of your, your four years of college kind of stolen from you. Who knows, you know, at this point, even at fall um, or spring next year, will be in person. And, you know, to just see their mentality, glass half full, like, you know, do I like you know new entrance to the professional work environment that's what gives me the energy to do what we do and to get excited about you know the world that that we operate in i'm, I'm always focused on the next gen what they think the tools they're using what gets them excited and i think that's very important for companies Yes, we continue to stay on the ball. So I've learned from this new team member. Her name is Sherry Lee. Um, she we brought her in as an operations manager. I, I've been reinvigorated with how important process is, and not even just developing good process, but memorializing that process and you know develop manuals and trainings and references so that when you bring in new team members, they understand you know what actually has been happening in this function previously and how can I build on this and improve that. Um, so I think that's something that I've learned and is really important when you're building a team to have you know some idea of culture defined, <laughs> structure defined, reporting defined, um, you know, even team and culture um how like how you build you know that nuance to to your you know company environment i think is very
1: important yeah so learning from your team members i mean that says a lot about the coaching you've provided and the the recruiting that you've done and what there's a great book about this called the e-myth by michael gerber which is all about creating systems in your business or else you'll end up becoming the employee of your own business and a lot of uh business owners succumb to that and end up becoming an employee of their own business. Rather than working on the business, they end up working in the business instead of growing it. So e by Michael Gerber is a, a great way to create those systems, those manuals to make sure that you have a nice seamless process for how people come in and, and grow within your company. And, you know, connecting with like-minded individuals s- such as those at University of Michigan or other high achievers, like other Forbes members. I mean that's how we met. So tell me when you made the list, where were you when you found out you made the list? How did that feel? Do you remember the exact moment when you heard? I do remember
0: the exact moment. So um, for, so you and I met on the reality trip which was an incredible opportunity to go explore Israel um, you know they offer themed journeys it's not exclusive to the Jewish population um so it's something that's that I thought was a really interesting mentoring opportunity um so that point the first when I went on my first journey which was the year before you and I went to Israel together because I had facilitated your experience um was actually a a big chapter of transition for me mainly because the company that I got awarded Forbes recognition for, I had actually left um, literally two weeks after we got the, the notification about Forbes. And I had already been kind of on a transition out plan um, from about, about a month, month and a half earlier. Uh, so I, I started really, I was, I was all by myself uh, in my apartment in, uh, in Arlington, Virginia. And, you know, I, cause I no longer was like working at the company. And so I didn't really go to the office. Obviously mm-hmm. there, they, they were celebrating with the team. Um, and so it, for me, it was like, it was a moment of, um, it was a moment of like celebration and also of deep reflection of like, wow, like what, what am I going to do now? Cause now I, I just got to recognize for this awesome work we're doing in education and I no longer work at an education company and I didn't really have a clue of what I wanted to do concretely until I went on that that journey through Israel and you know we were in an environment um, at least on my my trip was 50 individuals you know for us you know, your trip was 90 so that was even more uh of you know high power individuals all in one place kind of you know synergizing and and uh and coming up with your know, great conversation but Um, during my first journey, you know, I really just opened up to folks and was like, Hey, like, here's where I'm at in my career. Like, here's my areas of uncertainty. Here's the questions um, about, you know, me as an individual and as a leader, can I continue to do this and continue to, to try and build something, you know, now again from scratch after having gotten this far. So yeah, I mean, long story short, it was, it was, it was a pretty significant moment in my career. And I think, you know, I, I, I really can't thank Forbes enough for the opportunities that I've gotten as a result of the recognition. Um, I think what they do is, is incredible in recognizing young talent that, you know, is eager to change the world in different segments that are very important. And, you know, the, even the peers I've met in, in the education group um I've become good friends with and have some of them have become great mentors because you know we're 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 building the future, right? Like these young professionals, the ones that say, you know what, I'm not gonna start at the bottom of the totem pole and work my way up. I actually want to create my own totem pole. And I want to let other people climb that totem pole and teach me some things. Mm-hmm. And I want to learn from other people who have done this before. And so that that to me is like kind of that like intuitive need to like continuously learn and challenge myself and that's what kind of got me to dive right back into education you know change the business model change the product change you know which stakeholders we were serving and how Um, and so that was really it was really all rooted in you know that you know moment I was in the basement in my room in in Arlington Virginia and got like probably one of the best emails that changed my career so far.
1: Wow how fortuitous and It's amazing how traveling does that to us. It's like we take a step back, we reflect, we meet new people. We're in a new culture, a new environment. It kind of shocks us and forces us to re-clarify our journey, where we want to go next. And being surrounded by like-minded individuals, you and I both appreciate that. It goes back to the old saying, a rising tide lifts all ships. I'm a huge fan of that idea. So take us back to the very beginning. Where you're from, where you grew up and and the path that led you to where you are now, making it to the forbes list and and the trajectory you've you've uh, aimed to achieve
0: yeah um so i'm I'm originally from New York, I think i'll always be a New Yorker to some extent, um, as we were talking about before we started recording like you know, you could, you could take the, the man out of New York, but you'd never take the New York out of the man. And um, I think that that is, you know, as particular as the type of pizza that I, I need in order to thrive as an individual on this planet all the way through, you know, some of the business antics and the hustle, I think. <clears throat> you know, the famous quote, you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. I mean, I really think it's true. I think New York, it's hard to stand out, Um really is because there's just so many people doing so many interesting things and i think also one of the really cool natures of new york is the fact that people are like magnetized to it like they they need to come visit they need to come drop in and you know so like you know just having a place there and being able to you know say hi to friends that were passing through like to me that's like the invigorating you know um uh, networking and, and kind of like relationship building that I need. And I just always thought that having a place in New York was, was great for that. So born and raised in Long Island. Um, my dad's, you know, uh, uh actually from Israel originally. Uh, so very different culture than my mom who grew up in Long Island, sixth generation American on that side of the family. So really two different cultures coming together in our house. I have two siblings. Uh, my oldest sister is actually an educator. Um, she's an elementary school teacher in Great Neck. Actually, um, she was the one who really charted the path for me to become interested in education. I actually never realized how important education was to me until um, I realized how, how just how much it impacted me as an individual, developing into you know a young professional. How much like the mentors kind of filled the gap that your parents can't fill because they have different interests, different experiences. And, and, and honestly, I think the other thing was, you know, my mom always said, you're going to be a business guy. And my sister was always interested in education. So I never really thought like, oh, wow, can these kind of neatly come together for me? And that's really what, you know, I got the opportunity when I went to Lehigh um, to, to study entrepreneurship. I was also studying accounting and finance, which is what led to, you know, creating my first business, which was a, a company I started as a senior in college called Real Time Cases. And that experience was probably the most meaningful learning experience for me going through declaring my major as accounting and finance, having no clue what that professional uh, work environment would be like, you know, earning my way into KPMG as an intern and then recognizing very quickly that environment, that field, that industry, that was totally not right for me. And it got me really um frustrated but also opportunistic that like maybe there is a better way to expose students to the world um while they're still students rather than waiting until they you know truck through several hundred thousand dollars of education tuition and realize at the end that they never got a chance to really chase that passion and they were just going through the motions of whatever homework and class you know work was required of them so um You know, there's a whole story about the journey from, you know, how we created our first product and went to each of our professors to get feedback and ask, hey, why are you using textbooks and not challenges from real companies? And it came down to you can't buy, you know, a challenge from a real company. And I said, Mm. what if you can? And that's really what, what started real-time cases and my whole, um, you know, dip into this world of experiential learning, which has been a roller coaster ride of highs and lows, but, you know, certainly something that I'm extremely proud of uh, to date.
1: So you were, you saw it from the academic education side firsthand, then you saw it from the KPMG side, business side, and you were like, why can't we close this gap between academia and real-life cases, real challenges that you're going to face? Because, It seems like a lot of people would argue that there's such a difference between what you're doing in the classroom versus what you're actually going to be doing in real life work in your career. So how do you bridge that gap? How does CapSource do that? How do you find the challenges? And then walk me through how it works.
0: Yeah. So the first thing that's important to think about when you're when you're kind of reflecting on your college experience or or even kind of creating a sense of, um, of hope for your children that will be going to college is, you know, what do you really want them to get out of that experience, right? So it's, you know, it's a four years of like intermediary kind of transitioning between an environment where, you know, you're living with your parents, usually, you know, everything is kind of mapped out for you to an environment where some of those, like those, uh, those, those safety nets and, and, um, and structures taken out. And then now you have some free time to get creative. And, you know, for me, what I thought was missing was, you know, really the opportunity to, to get out to the world and mm. solve problems. And use that as an opportunity to reflect on what skills I liked using, what problems I liked to solve, um, the types of of people I wanted to work with. Um, So I think that's really what's what's the root of experiential learning is empowering students to be in a position to solve real problems um, and, and really just like exist in the current environment. You know, one of the reject, you know, obviously all, all entrepreneurs are, you know, start in the sales department and then they work their way around as, you know, the sales start coming through the door. So, you know, I've, I've probably spoken to thousands of educators at this point. And one of the key like rejections that we always get is, you know, is it really the school's responsibility to train you for your career? Um, mm. And so I always like, I'm like, you know, if you ask the students that question, I think the answer is like, obviously, yes. So, so why are the disparity there? And then the other question is like, if we're, if we're the other rejection rather is if we're, if we're trying to train students to solve the problems of tomorrow, why would we want them to work on the problems of today? Mm. And I always laugh at that because I'm like, how can you ask somebody to understand a problem of tomorrow if they don't understand the problem of today? And so that's what we do is we really go to companies and we ask them for a challenge for the students to work on. That's a problem that they're experiencing today. It might not be a problem, you know, in the, in the nature of like, hey, we're losing money or we are losing customers and we need help. Um, you know, fixing that problem, it might actually be an opportunity where it's like, hey, we're looking to go into a new market, or thinking about, you know, a new product, and we want to get feedback from, you know, new and prospective customers, and putting students in a position to talk to, you know, customers talk to, you know, business leaders about the business model about the product about the industry that they operate in, starts to create a constellation of reference we call them reference-worthy experience, but of just references, right? I understand now when someone says, you know, who are your biggest competitors, what they mean, like what is a competitor? Why is it important to know what that is, right, for the company that you're working with? Or what are some of the nuances that go into building products? And So that's, to me, what, what experiential learning is all about, is really creating a case study, a real up-to-date live case study about a challenge or opportunity that exists within a business environment. Asking one of their key leaders to mentor the students, and then ultimately giving the students enough flexibility and freedom to come up with some cool ideas, but enough structure to ensure that they're set up for success.
1: Wow, so they're getting mentoring too, they're getting coaching, and they're getting to apply what they're learning in the classroom in real life for a real company that could potentially add value or provide a benefit for that company. And so you go to the company, you say, Here's a challenge, and the challenge isn't just oh we're losing money can you help solve that problem it's more innovative like hey we're thinking about launching this new market or uh, creating a product line extension how can you help us do that so the students getting to see how do these companies think about innovation or research and development R&D and and then apply maybe some of the principles or fundamentals they're learning in the classroom so they're actually uh, effectively applying what they're learning in the class
0: yeah, I mean, there, so one of the things you mentioned that, like, I always love talking about is like this concept of mentoring, right? Because, you know, most cases you build your own mentorship relationships and it's the, the word mentor and educator and facilitator are kind of all within the same realm of responsibility of, hey, this is someone knowledgeable that you can go to to ask questions, And one of the issues, one of the key challenges of building good mentorship relationships is you don't have anything of mutual interest, no aligned goals, right? And so one of the things that our project-based experiential learning approach does is it aligns the mentor's goals with the teaching goals for that course or the learning objectives for those students. So, hey, if I'm going to graduate with a marketing degree from Lehigh University, I need to be able to work with a director of marketing within an organization mm-hmm. that has a problem that needs to be solved and that enables you to go to that mentor and solve their problem you know, in tandem with them, which is very different than how most mentorship relationships are, are budded because I think most of them start from an area of similarity but not an area mm-hmm. of, of mutual interest and goals. And so I think if you can expedite identifying how to get that buy-in from the mentor or buy-in from the mentee and really aligning that as a as a set of goals i think that's really what leads to the most powerful learning experiences as you know as you move from you know one stage of of life to the other and then hopefully these mentors kind of grow with you
1: so those you're are aligning yeah you're aligning the incentives of not only the academic institution the student but also the company And they're all working in tandem together. And it sounds like, from what you're telling me, this is a no-brainer. Every academic institution should be signed up because your students that go through this program are going to be more equipped, more well-equipped for the real world than an academic institution or a student that comes from an institution that doesn't have this. And they're going to be more employable because a company is going to want to work with a student that already has some real-world experience than someone that doesn't.
0: Yeah, so our, we, we published this thing called the Experiential Learning Framework. And honestly, this is something I encourage anyone who's building a business to do is codify what you're doing, whether it's a value proposition or product philosophy or just, you know, for us, it's, it's our, our learning pedagogy. Um, and so, you know, we always talk about the idea of using soft skills like communication, collaboration, critical thinking, creativity, in addition to technical skills, which could be everything from using Microsoft Teams, or Slack, or Asana, or, um, you know, uh, hard Skills. Right. Um, to develop real outcomes for real stakeholders who can provide real feedback so that you could walk away with, and this is the key part, reference-worthy experience. That's what makes our programs more powerful for students than anything they can get in a traditional classroom environment. No company, no recruiter, no executive of a company cares that you can solve a case study Mm -hmm. or that you can go through a multiple choice exam or write a paper. Those things are irrelevant in the professional environment. It's all about can you solve a problem that is... Hard to define, that requires more resources than we have, and that you know that, that's a that's a real challenge that doesn't have an answer, and that to me is something that is missing from almost all of education. Like all of what we do is we've made education easy for educators by providing them with answer keys. What what world do we live in where we where we even have an answer key at, at all? You know, preach, do
1: we have- <laughs> preach, Jordan, <laughs> preach. I, I I totally agree with you. It, education needs to be disrupted. It is antiquated. It needs someone like you and your your team to come in and really shock the system so they can level up, and everyone wins. That's the best part. Everyone wins, and you will have a modern day version of that um, for hopefully after this uh, crazy time, and this will be the new norm. This cap source is taken over, so. Tell me about these objections, these failures or obstacles, challenges. How did you overcome them? Like, give me an example of one that uh, helped lead to your success or looked like a failure but set you up for later success. Yeah, I mean, so
0: education is a very different product category than most because it actually takes so long to Integrate new learning techniques into a curriculum because you have to convince someone to try it and then after they've tried it It actually takes a very long time to prove that it worked Mm -hmm. Right, so like our value proposition is we could prepare students better for their careers Well, we work with freshmen at Northern Illinois University. So how long does it take to prove that this particular experience is going to actually benefit them by the time their seniors graduating to enter the workforce or maybe even juniors you know looking for internships right and so the that whole concept is one of the main things that is always been a challenge for education companies and why you never see this viral growth of business there's there's a couple exceptions to that of course one that comes to mind is trilogy education they built boot camps for uh, higher ed institutions that wanted to teach students how to code. And obviously all these boot camps were like growing and coming up with these cool business models, revenue share agreements and um, or uh, the income share agreements rather. And, you know, the the schools kind of got jealous and said, damn, we're going to lose all the computer science students if Mm -hmm. if we can't attract them to our program. So Trilogy came along and said, we can give you a boot camp. And, you know, the thing that was really cool about their model, um, not only is that they were able to help the schools create these programs but then they were also able to help the schools recruit the students and graduate the students and and really ensure that they had jobs afterwards so we we use those types of organizations as as a beacon of what we're trying to recreate of course i mean i think any business any industry is full of rejection um, not even just objections but rejection flat out Um, it's full i mean you're going to come across rude people um that really just like don't deliver feedback very well um and just like you know you have to just like kind of get up you know brush it off and and keep running i mean not even just like heading in the the direction but like you know whatever is is uh is 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 bogging you down you got to just get through it because you know someone else will and someone else will come out the other end of
1: you got to be willing to hear a lot of no's because all you need is one yes, but you are going to hear a lot of no's. I forget who said this, but it said success is just moving from one failure to the next without losing enthusiasm or motivation.
0: I love that quote. and, and- you know, I guess the – the so one of the things that we've had trouble with, candidly, is, you know, the, the education institutions don't really know what they want or how they want to solve this problem. And obviously, we're one vendor with one methodology and one way of doing things. And so, you know, we've lost customers. Of course we have. Um, and so every time we lose one or every time our contract value goes from, you know, 100,000 to 50,000 to 20,000 because the schools are changing the way that they want to build these programs. It gets us, you know, of course, there's two ways to respond, right? Of course, there's the, the natural tendency to be like, gosh, what did we do wrong? Like, how can we avoid this mistake in the future, which is, of course, important in terms of reflection. But I think what we do is we look at the product and we say, okay, how can we improve The way that we're doing things so that we can have more staying power a larger lifetime value um and so you know for us it's you know it's really just about continuing to try and do great work because at the end of the day our mission is to help students prepare for the future of work and so as long as we stay true to that mission i think we'll continue to have customers and i think our model is all about being flexible with the institutions and letting them decide, hey, this is the way that we want to do experiential learning. This is what, what our unique experiential learning is all about. And so we provide that freedom and flexibility and also try to make it easier you know, for the program directors and educators. Yeah,
1: because make- you, you have a problem of you got to make it easy enough to onboard them so it doesn't feel like a huge burden because education institutions are getting bombarded with requests and they are probably having to say no to a lot of institutions or companies that are coming to talk to them so um, you have kind of two angles you play as like the short-term instant gratification you need to give them to say hey like look at these results it's working very quickly but you also have long-term gratification which is like look this freshman going back to your point at northern illinois Four years later look he got the job that he wanted and it actually was the experiential learning he had in the beginning so imagine someone i'm sure the audience who's in education would want to know from you what advice would you give to someone who wants to enter this industry wants to get get their business or product or service in front of an education institution what advice would you give them well This is kind
0: of a two sided um, recommendation. So one of the hardest things in education is to get your first customer. You're not, you have no track record. Even if you're coming out of another company, you still have to build a product and a reputation. Um. So it's one of the hardest things is to get your first customer. And then once you have that first customer, you can really understand the nuances of what it takes to really deliver that value that you promised. And then it's much easier with a reference account to kind of replicate and
1: package Use that as leverage to get your next, your second client. Right.
0: So one of the things I always say in education is, you know, you sometimes are going to have to do things for free, or sometimes going to have to do things for deeply discounted in order to get through to, you know, that validation point where you can start to replicate. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: My caution, the caution I would provide anybody who's interested in the education industry as an entrepreneur is... You cannot give too much for free and you really shouldn't give anything for free. Everything should be quid pro quo. Hey, I'll do this for you if you will give us a video testimonial or publish Mm. a press release about the impact of this. So some way of of getting them to have some skin in the game, because one thing that's extremely important to success of education products is buy-in from the folks that are responsible for ensuring the delivery Uh, Of that product to the students. And so it doesn't happen if there's no buy in. And so even though everyone has told me, why don't you charge the companies to do this, they're the ones that have the money. And I always say they're not the ones that have the problem. Right. The the companies don't have a problem recruiting. They don't have a problem uh, solving their problems they they that's their job that's their what they do right that's what a company that's does. how they
1: survive that's how they make money that's how they reward the pro, the profit uh the shareholders with profit
0: right and 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 so even even like a lot of people are like well you're training and you're helping them you're know, providing talent and it's like well, they have a thousand ways to do that right mm-hmm. so the, the the problem that we're solving is that the graduating students from institutions are not qualified to take the jobs. It's actually a very scary statistics published by um, NACE, which is the National Association for College Employers, that basically says 89% of employers do not strongly believe that students are qualified for day one on the job, which is a, it, it's a shocking statistic. And it basically says whatever's coming out of college isn't meeting our expectations, even remotely, right? It, like not, It's not, it's even, not working. Right, and so therefore, you know, the they have to focus more on how they train new talent. They're not focusing on how to train anyone who wants to learn about their business or industry, and that's really what we do through Cap Sources. Any class that wants to learn about, you know, uh, chatbots will find a chatbot company and ultimately find an project within that company that the students can work on but that's not something that the chatbot company is saying hey i want students to work on this problem it's something that the institution needs and so therefore you know we had to identify the institution as the customer and the the last nuance to this piece of advice is you'll always hear everywhere in education we don't have any money for that that's not there's money in education there is you just have to prove that your product is gonna deliver incremental value to the students. It's gonna reduce costs to, to, to the administration, to how, how the programs are orchestrated. And ultimately, you have to make them understand that your product is valuable, as valuable as other resources that they're using at the school. And if they don't see that, then they're not the right customer for you.
1: So a lot of- pack- So they gotta have skin in the game. They don't give it away for free. 'm um, I'm, I'm a huge believer of that there there needs to be skin in the game people pay attention to what they pay for and that might be a value exchange it doesn't necessarily need to be monetarily but there needs to be some type of skin in the game'm I'm, I'm a huge believer in that and you know you're you need to show that there's a return on investment there's an incremental value being produced so whether it's lower attrition rates lower dropout rates their students are more employable more students from high school are attracted to joining that higher ed institution whatever it may be you need to show some type of return on investment that makes sense so um, thinking about that hustle of how you go about getting into that industry what's something scrappy you did to hustle that maybe you couldn't reveal in the very beginning when you're first starting the company because it was so scrappy but now uh, you can reveal. Like an example of this is Reddit faked their first 100 users to get their uh, investment from Paul Graham, PG. They they named their first 100 users after furniture and video game characters. What's something you did that was scrappy to hustle and get your uh, startup to where it is now?
0: So, So, so one of the cool things about this business model and actually it's why I do this is like the actual reason what makes me so excited about capsource and the problem that we're solving. Yes, I love teaching students. I really do. I think it's so much fun to give them real challenges and just like have them first go like like that's a lot of work. Like I don't even know where to start. And then by the end they learn new tools and techniques and they're really becoming like uh, you know, a more well-rounded individual. So that's like uh, certainly something that you need you have to be obsessed with your customer even though the educator is the customer for us the end user is very much the, the students but the real reason i'm in this is because i learned so much from executives of businesses that do these projects with our students and i know that there's stuff to learn from them because they're leaders in their field right they've they've already you know made it through the hurdles to become a leader of an organization whether it's five or five thousand or fifty thousand employees, we've had all of those types of organizations work with our students, and so the, the one of the most amazing techniques that I learned from a company called Wedding Wire that I've worked with previously, their marketplace, and so what they do is they connect um, wedding vendors with the folks getting married similar to the knots they're actually the second largest wedding website to the knots and they basically have continued to add additional features and functionality to make their ecosystem function mm-hmm. so one thing that we did similar to them is they they created so they, they create relationships with these vendors but they encourage the 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 couple that's getting married to add vendors to the site even if the vendor itself wasn't on the site. And then they would encourage those vendors to claim their listing and those vendors are their Mm. paid customers. So basically they created a marketplace that enabled like kind of like a Yelp style review yep. on companies that they've worked with and you know we try you know we've used a similar technique to try and build up our directory of partners is like you know educators can suggest adding companies and we've added companies that have been interested in projects before to show them what you know they can create out of it so you know <laughs> I would hate to say that it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, because I think it's very important to be you know upfront with all of your users and act with integrity. It's one of our core values, but the truth of the matter is you got to do what you need to do to get to the next milestone. And you just have to really keep in mind, like, you know, what's reasonable, you know, what's like something that's like okay as like a growth hack. And then, you know, of course, what's, you know, something that maybe isn't, you know, appropriate. And so there's a fine line and you really need to, focus in on, on how to decide, you know, what what is the most appropriate way to, to move forward. But, you know, I've really learned a lot from from other leaders who have done like kind of scrappy right. things to get those users in the system and just like show, hey, we got some logos, we got some momentum here, which creates more momentum, which adds more logos. So um,
1: it's something that's that's smart. Important to yeah, us I know. mean, that I think that's very reasonable. And you, if you have a thousand students all asking, for let's say KPMG to be on your platform and they're not, well now you have some clout because now you have these thousand students are asking for it. It's not you, CapSource, looking for them. So you're like, KPMG, where you at? These students want you. Let's get them on board or same with the university. So I think that was very smart of you. All right, let's transition switch gears here to something called the under 30 seconds round. So, I'm going to fire off some questions and answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Hit me. All right, Jordan. What is the book you've gifted more often than any other book, and why?
0: Well, there's two. Um, So, my two favorite books The Art of Gathering, Priya Parker, it's about the importance of the people. Part of gathering, unless the physical space or the food or the drinks. So I highly recommend that everything from business meetings to um, social gatherings. And then I think the best book ever is *Sapiens* by Yuval Hariri. Um, n- I don't even need to say anything about it.
1: <laughs> Great book, human history. I mean, just understanding how humans came about and and where we're headed next. Um, that those are both great recommendations. I love it. And um, second one, what's one of the best and one of the worst investments you've ever made and why? Best investment I've ever made has gotta be, you know,
0: these, these education companies. I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, one day will it'll all pay, pay off. I can't say for certain. So you'll just have to trust my intuition and then I think the worst investment I've ever made although I'm still hopeful about it um, you know we I got together with a few friends we started a company called Fun Fusers which is basically like no, novelty essential oils diffusers so far we've only put money in and gotten absolutely zero money <laughs> out uh, no sales no product yet in the in the marketplace so definitely not the best uh, entrepreneurial venture but something that certainly allowed me to learn a lot more about like physical products and supply chains, which is something I would never done before.
1: Learning experience, yeah. Starting starting a business, I think should be a requirement of all early childhood education institutions to help people just go through the experience. There's something to be said about starting your own company and having to learn everything as you go. Um, third question, what's one of your guilty pleasures or favorite cheat meals? One thing that Jordan is really great at as being an amazing host and an amazing cook He is um, known for this in the Forbes community and the reality community, uh, which is probably why one of the books you recommend more often than any other has to do with an environment of hosting and, and gathering of people. So what's one of your guilty pleasures or favorite cheat meals?
0: So guilty pleasure. So I, I definitely love hosting. You're you're absolutely right. It, you know, for me, there's no point in having an environment if you're not going to open it to friends. And there's just something like innate to my personality that like needs those people to be around and to like you know create an environment where my friends can meet each other and create friendships and relationships and lots of stuff blossoms from that. And it's just my natural way of being a connector. Uh, which is also integral to the business that I'm in. But um, my favorite thing to make food-wise has got to be tuna tartare. It's so easy, believe it or not, if you can find a fresh cut of tuna. Um, All you need literally is some dried ginger, some soy sauce, some sesame oil, and some scallions. That's it. And you just chop up the tuna and just mix it up no cooking needed it's so easy put it on maybe some avocado spread if you're getting extra creative but it is so good and it's, oh yeah
1: it's so delicious dude scallions are I think the most underestimated and undervalued vegetable they are so good and very rarely uh, used in in I would say the average Joe's kitchen uh, so thanks for sharing <laughs> I, I use it I put them on
0: everything especially oh, I believe like, it. But you're above
1: average and you're a super connector and super host. So that's expected of you. All right. Number four, second to last, pretend you won the Peter Thiel Fellowship and you were going to get money to start a business rather than go to college. Where would you start in starting that business was the very first thing you would do.
0: If I had won it before I went to college.
1: If you got the money before you were going to go to college and you were going to get that money to start a business instead of going to college, what's the first thing you would do?
0: I think the, the only way to like think about entrepreneurial ventures is like you have to be obsessed with the change you're trying to make in the world. And so I didn't actually know that education was of interest to me until I went to Lehigh, went through that experience. And I really, I had a great experience. I really did. I think, you know, I learned so much. I became who I am. I met my first team of co-founders from being at Lehigh and plenty of mentors. I'm still involved um, as as a head of an alumni association for the school. So I, I don't think I would recommend not going to college. I think You know, it's really tough decision for students to make now that they're going, you know, into freshman year potentially of a virtual year. Um, So, you know, I I don't know exactly what I would recommend at this juncture, but I don't, I don't think I think you can create a business in school. I would never recommend not going to school. There's plenty of time in school to come up with ways uh, of making money, whether it's side hustles or real business. I don't think I would have been able to build a real business if I had done that. Um, I think I probably would have built like a small side hustle type garden uh, no, in school, a kind of simple product. Um, so I think, you know, I'm trying to build an enterprise. It's very different low and slow for me but something that I really think longer term will grow if we continue to do great work so I know that really is a longer answer than you signed up for but (laughs) the best I can do
1: Uh, it was good and uh all right last one what's something you never knew you needed an example is a pop socket on the phone I uh my buddy Jake recommended this and he's like try it out for a week and if you don't like it take it off and I can't believe I used an iPhone Like, how did I use an iPhone before the pop socket? So what's something you never knew you needed? So the only thing that comes to mind, it's a good
0: question, Phil. Um, So I began to um, pretty much every person where I'm staying at their place, like as a house, like a thank you for having me gift, rather than giving something that's like, flowers or chocolate i buy them a zen garden which are these like super cheap like you can get them for under 30 bucks on amazon it's just like a little sandbox that sits on a table and it comes usually with like a rake and like a little stencil and a little some rocks and you can literally just like play in the sand and i think that there's just something like like just so like childish about it like in a good way like that reminds you of like just like getting your hands a little dirty and like also it's just like so beautiful that you can like create something that's temporary right and it's like you don't have to waste paper and get all these like you know paint and ink or whatever zen garden tiny little zen garden
1: tiny little zen garden all right i love it stress relief there you go yeah Jordan, thank you so much for being here today, Jordan. Now, before you go, what's the next big goal, milestone, or bucket list item you want to hit? Where are you going next?
0: Well, we so I just got engaged uh, to my beautiful fiance, Andrea.
1: Congratulations. So,
0: thank you. I know you know her well, Phil, so you know I uh, I really got lucky on this one. Um, I think that – so bucket we, – we, we always had a dream – Um, to like be able to travel the world. And I think for the time being, that might not be possible just because of some travel limitations. But, you know, our goal is actually to move out of New York um, for at least the indefinite future starting this fall and really just like hitting the road, just bought a new car. We just want to go experience the world as much as we can, go exploring, go hiking, you know, go live in, you know, cities that we've never experienced and meet people that we've never thought we would um and i think it's just like a big part of like for us just becoming like that that couple that we really want to be so i'm really excited for it it's it's right around the bend but uh hopefully things will calm down a little bit on the pandemic front.
1: i'm excited for you i support this and i'm happy to be your tour guide when you come to tampa florida to visit
0: i look forward to it it's so exciting and um you know i'm very excited to see you guys and seriously thanks for the opportunity to be a part of this uh this community that you're building and I think that we're Thank very you. lucky to be a part of you know such a powerful young professionals community that can bring us together and you know it just continues to give us treats. Um, that, that enable us to just be better at, uh, at growing uh, as young professionals. So I'm, I'm excited that it brought us together and I look forward to even more ways for us to uh, to grow alongside each other.
1: Thanks Jordan. Now I know you want people to find out like if you're an educator right now and they want to get involved or they're a company or a student that's already in school and they're listening and they want to know well how do i get my school to have cap source or if i'm a company i'm a head of hr like what's the who's the decision maker at at the institution and the company that you would talk to and two um, how do they get a hold of you
0: yeah so we work with um uh, any type of institution, it could be, you know, associate degree programs and community colleges all the way through um, top tier research institutions. So there's really, you know, the type of education is relevant to any students. We've worked with high school all the way through graduate programs, um, also pretty much any major, especially if you want them to understand how that major actually applies to some industry categories. So even if you're a liberal arts and want to work with nonprofits. So, um, best way f- to get in touch with us, capsource.net. Um, that will be our website. There's a little bit of an overview for all of the different users, um, including educators, companies, and students. Um, typically, within companies, we target individuals who can host a project actually often not an HR department because it is not uh, a recruitment initiative is actually like, you know, junior consultants coming in to do a project. So if we want to do a marketing project, we got to talk to someone that's manager director VP in the marketing department. If it's something in ops, then we'll go after something in that realm. If it's sales or if it's, uh, product development, we'll, we'll go after those teams. And so that's why what makes it such a special learning experience is that the mentor has an immense amount of knowledge over the landscape of their own business and their own process and their own, um, you know, category within the within the company. So it's really special for the students.
1: That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. And now if people want to go and learn about how to make the best tuna tartar. Or they want to learn more about Jordan and, and witness your journey across the U.S. Where do they go to connect with you directly? Where's the best uh, place listeners can go?
0: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge LinkedIn fan. We use it a lot in order to expand the CapSource networks. So you can find me if you just type Jordan Levy into LinkedIn. Still working my way up to be the first one that shows up. but. Um, you know, I got a couple other powerful Jordan Levy's uh, to compete with. So I would say, you know, shoot me a note. You also can literally book 30 minutes with me on our website at any point. There's wow. a button that says schedule demo. It goes right to Calendly, which is an amazing tool that shows you my availability. Grab 30 minutes, always web conference. Can't uh, stress that enough. It's very important. Have your camera on even when they don't. You got. You know, you're trying to be the best uh, version of yourself and you got to show your face in order to do that even if it's not your prettiest day it's very important to building new relationships so I highly recommend you know just having a, a standard web conference link uh, and being as available as you can be especially if you're an entrepreneur.
1: That face-to-face interactions, even more important now that everyone's uh, quarantined so great please go connect with Jordan Levy and help him move up the ranks on LinkedIn, so he becomes the first that is uh, listed at the top. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. We learned about how to make the best tuna tartare, how to break into the education institution industry, uh, growth hacking your way to get customers on your marketplace. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Have an amazing day, and thank you so much, Jordan.
0: Thank you, Phil. This was really a lot of fun and I wish you the best of luck with this. I think you're an incredible interviewer and I think your viewers and listeners will really have a great time you know, learning from the folks that you bring on.
1: Thanks, Jordan. Talk soon. You too, Bye. buddy. Thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Who do you think would benefit from hearing it? You can make an impact on their life by sharing it now. Before you go, I encourage you to tell us your favorite part of the episode in the review section. Now it's time to level up. Level up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.